This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie today. And Ray Vanna is back as our special guest co-host, Ray. It seems like we were just together, oh, I don't know, the other day. Right. Everything runs together. I just think we should be together every day, though, because of your excellent commentary. Hope you had a remarkable couple of days off. I did. I was going to say it was nice. We got to send everybody off for the uh, holiday break, and now we get to welcome them all back. <laughs> yes, we do. And in some ways, Ray, um, why don't we jump right into it? Because it seems like we pick up where we left off with these, um, well, some heartbreaking stories. We do have an update for you, um, and this one definitely qualifies as that. Colorado paramedics found guilty in the death of Elijah McLean. The case there took a long time to wind its way through the courts, but on December 22nd, a Colorado jury decided two first responders, Jeremy Cooper, Peter Sichiniak from Aurora Fire Rescue, are responsible for the death of Elijah McLean due to the fatal overdose of ketamine during his 2019 arrest. Difficult to even say a 2019 arrest because a young man was just minding his own business. Trying to get home. Lena Blackstar with the details. The jury found the paramedics guilty of criminally negligent homicide. Both medical professionals were also charged with assault. Tuchiniak found guilty of one of the assault charges, second degree assault for the unlawful administration of drugs. Cooper was not found guilty of the assault charges. The almost four week long trial had a lot of twists and turns. Oh, look at the family. Seeking to bring justice for McLean, who was just 23 years old when he was killed. The verdict was, of course, good news to Elijah's mother, Janine McLean, on the right there. Nothing can bring her son back. Nothing. According to the Associated Press, Mrs. McLean exclaimed, We did it. We did it. We did it. Her fist in the air as she left the courtroom. Did it for Elijah. They persevered. While the mother rejoiced in the victory, others said this opens the doors to criminalize split second decisions made by first responders. The International Association of Firefighters called the move by Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser to charge the paramedics, quote, dangerous. IAFF General President Edward Kelly said in a statement. When politics drive prosecution, forcing firefighters and paramedics to second guess decisions, public safety is compromised. Perhaps not for young black men walking home alone. Perhaps not for them. According to prosecutors, the paramedics failed to perform essential medical assessments on McLean, neglecting basic checks like 
taking his pulse before administering the ketamine. Experts testified that the dosage was excessive for someone of his size, 140 pounds. Additionally, prosecutors assert that the paramedics did not monitor McLean promptly after administering the sedative. Instead, they left him on the ground. Does this sound like firefighters doing what they were trained to do? Hmm. Exacerbating difficulties in his breathing when they did that. The defense lawyers for the two medical professionals argued they were following the training they received for someone they believed was in, wait for it, not a real thing, except when black people are arrested, apparently. Excited delirium. You know, that super human strength that even 140 pound black kid walking home at night seems to possess, you know, not real, superhuman, Hulk-like, suddenly comes on. No reports of that in his history, but okay. Shereen McLean rejected the defense, saying that the paramedics did not act with compassion when treating her son. They cannot blame their job training for their indifference to evil or their participation in an evil action, she wrote in a statement released before the verdict. That is completely on them. May all of their souls rot in hell when their time comes. And a black star notes that through his, though rather his death occurred in 2019, cries for justice for Elijah McClain were interjected into the 2020 summer of civil unrest following the murder of George Floyd. Why did you interrupt this life, this beautiful life, why? August 24th, 2019, when he was stopped by Aurora officers because a 17-year-old 911 caller complained about a suspicious-looking person in a ski mask. Let's remember where this took place. McLean, who wore the mask because of a circulation disorder, was waving his hands as he listened to earbuds walking home from the store. We all have those now, right? As officers sought to detain him and he protested that he wanted to be left alone, one claimed that McLean reached for his gun, <laughs> prompting another to apply a chokehold on the young man within a minute of their encounter. Boy, at least make it sound good. Rodima was found guilty of criminally negligent homicide and third degree assault, will be sentenced in January. Rosenblatt and Woodyard were acquitted of all charges. Woodyard is back working with the Aurora PD, beware. Plain's death has forever changed the community of Aurora, Colorado. According to the New York Times, Omar Montgomery, president of the Aurora NAACP said, quote, the death of Elijah McLean, unfortunately, is the reason there is major reform in the police department. Hopefully his legacy is that other black people, other people of color will have a public safety system they can believe in. And I say hopefully it will lead to um, an understanding that not everyone is the same. And people who may not be like you have a right to live, breathe, and walk home listening to music. I am incensed by the IAFF, the fire department body, the body, firefighter's body. How dare you? Again, that statement reads to me like you only see the world through your lens. We're telling you they're killing us. 
And this whole thing about it's dangerous. No, it's dangerous for people when firefighters recklessly take some faux condition that some other fool in uniform whispered, hey, yeah, superhuman strength. And so you just, I'll give them everything. I'll give them all the juice. You don't work for the Aurora Police Department, Mr. Firefighter. You are supposed to assess this patient, who, by the way, shouldn't have been a patient in the first place. Not your job, but assess him. He had just gotten out of a chokehold, after all. And according to these fools, I don't care if they were cleared. I have to put it in quotes. That's who I am. I don't care if they were cleared. He didn't go for their gun. He was murdered. Ray, where did I go wrong? You know, every time we talk about updates in Elijah McClain's story, it's everything I can do to stop myself from crying because these circumstances were horrific. His murder was gruesome. The theft of his life from this earth is truly despicable. And the footage of it, it just is haunting and it should be haunting. And it's something that you know has impacted this community immensely, has led to reform. But it shouldn't be these brutal instances of violence that then lead to reform. The reform should happen to avoid murders like the murder of Elijah McClain. But I'm also deeply disturbed, you know, as you mentioned, you were by the statements by this association representing firefighters. You know, they're arguing that in the interest of public safety, you shouldn't have paramedics second guessing themselves. When I say that nothing they did in the mur- while murdering Elijah McClain was in the interest of public safety, there was no risk whatsoever to public safety, except for the one posed by the police officers that within a minute of uh, entering the scene, put him in a chokehold accused him of having a gun despite there being no evidence that he did and he didn't. Um, And the paramedics who assisted in the murder of this young man who was just starting his life, they were the risk to public safety. We should want paramedics, you know, second guessing, am I doing the right thing? Because in this case, they objectively did not. They didn't even follow proper procedures. And I also think it's important that you highlighted the the way that racism and you know other forms of bigotry are even ingrained within uh, the medical field within these trainings that they give to paramedics because that is a completely invented racist diagnosis that uh, that black people are suddenly capable of getting excited and and coming <laughs> being over uh, you know well with superhuman strength it's the same way women are diagnosed with hysteria. Uh, and that black women's pain is often not believed in medical settings. And I think this really shines a light on that. And it should act as a catalyst to reform trainings uh, that paramedics receive, because we often talk about police reform that needs to happen. But I think this really uh, shines a light on reform that needs to happen within trainings that paramedics and firefighters receive as well. Yeah, don't forget uh, race norming. Is that a thing? Hi, NFL. We see you. Um, this is trash. This is um, pulling a page out of history that remains today. Can I call it history if it's still going on today? Treating a group of people as if they are subhuman. They don't feel what you feel emotionally, physically. 
you know, they, these people are animals because that's what we're doing, whether you want to call it that or not, whether you know it or not. And yes, we can use the word murder. I didn't go to law school like you, Ray, but negligent homicide, homicide is murder. It's just a degree of it, correct? Mm-hmm. Maybe I should go. You see that? <laughs> I, I just guessed the answer because I felt like it, you know, and I'm right. You're shaking your head that <laughs> indeed I'm right. The mother, um, who I think is a hero. Let, let's get this straight. The NAACP spokesperson is right because Elijah McLean had to die uh, due to racism and just horrific lack of care. Things will change a little, but let's not get it twisted. I want a, a statue erected of this young man and his mother, okay, his family too. But let's not get it twisted here. Some people who should have been held accountable or not. And by the way, four years later, four and a half, and you're just now getting to it. And why did it take so long? Because that's another thing that they do, right, Ravana? What they do is put up with a few marches, a few cries, a few statements from black groups and sympathizers, and they hope it'll go away. They slow track it. It kind of Peel off little charges until we keep crying, keep crying. George Floyd, okay? This is a, I'm not, this is a textbook example. This is their playbook. And I applaud the mother because as I read the statement, Ravana, I thought she was going to say, you know, God have mercy on their soul. She said they should rot in hell. Yeah. Now, I try to be forgiving, but I think when you still won't take accountability and your union group, forum, whatever the statement was, Puts out something like that. Well, then I can you can leave me no choice. Oh, it's your turn. I'm sorry. No, I think you're exactly right. And you know that we do see that a lot. You know, the mothers of victims of murder will say that they're praying for the murderers, and that's you know completely valid. But I think it's also important to you know give voice to the mothers who aren't praying for the people who murdered their children. That they are saying that they should burn in hell because that's just as valid of a feeling to have when the mm-hmm. life of your son was stolen away from you and from this earth, uh, and it just deserves just as much amplification as you know all of the mothers who uh, practice. You know, grace and forgiveness, and and you know, God bless her. And I'm I'm grateful to have her her saying that as well. I but you also made an important important excuse me observation, which is that it took so long for this to be finalized. And you know, it's not done. Not everything in this case is uh, is done, and it probably never will be. Um, but prosecutors did drag their feet in charging the uh, paramedics in this case partially because of the protections that they were receiving from their associations, from their unions. And uh, it's important that we put pressure on prosecutors. And it, it you know, those marches definitely go, you know, uh, a long way to doing that. But, you know, they try to drag things out. They try to extend it to a point where the public eye is no longer on them. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of prosecutors, uh, they know that their jobs are not Necessarily safe, uh, you know, per se, and that they do have some responsibility to the public. But they think if we can just delay, 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 then I won't ever have to, you know, give enough, you know, an answer one way or the other while everybody's looking. And then 
when the eyes of the world are no longer on me, I can sweep this under the rug and not have to, you know, actually do my job and be accountable to the people that I am here to serve. Uh, so, you know, that's is it important that in cases where there are massive injustices like this, that we do put pressure on our prosecutors, our attorney generals to hold those uh, uh, individuals accountable. Yeah, we'll, we'll move on, but I want to button it with this. If you think this is unjust, you're wrong, first of all. But second of all, just substitute the victim here, okay? The young white college student, young woman walking home, bopping her head. Maybe her blonde hair is flowing. You know, you see the mask. You think that would have happened to her? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. A black mother shot dead in front of a child after calling 911. Los Angeles Sheriff's deputy fatally shot 27-year-old Niani Finlayson, December 4, 2023, in front of her daughter after she called police over a domestic violence incident at her apartment. Her family now plans to sue the county and the sheriff's department for wrongful death. Just horrific. Imagine being that child. LA Times reports that Finlayson's family filed a claim indicating they plan to sue Los Angeles County and its sheriff's department for $30 million, alleging wrongful death, assault, civil rights violations. This is a direct response to an incident involving Deputy Ty Shelton, who shot 27 year old Finlayson December 4th. That evening, she called police to report that her boyfriend would not leave her alone. Deputies also stated, that screaming and sounds of a struggle could be heard over the call. Atlanta Blackstar with the reporting. Los Angeles Sheriff's Department claims when they arrived at an apartment in Lancaster, responding deputies could hear screaming. Deputies reported that when they tried to force their way into the apartment, Finlayson opened the door arm with a knife and told them she was going to stab her boyfriend for pushing her daughter. Shelton opened fire and shot the mother of two when she attempted to grab and stab him. Now, that statement is according to a department release. So I want you to put that context there. She was shot four times, died at a local hospital. Family dispute. Well, one of the things they're disputing is the department's account of events. That's what they said. I'd love to see the body cam footage. Well, I need to see the body cam footage, what I should have said, because can't just trust, must verify. In fact, there's reason to distrust sometimes, too many times, too many times. Family attorney Bradley Gage vehemently disputed that account during a press conference on Thursday. Gage said the ex-boyfriend strangled Finlayson. 
and hurt her daughter. So she called police to get him forcibly removed from her apartment. Niani was sitting on the ground when she was shot in the back, Gage told reporters. Not engaging in any type of physically threatening behavior at all. In fact, she was the victim. When Layson's daughter, Exasia, spoke to reporters at the press conference and recounted part of the ordeal involving Finlayson's estranged boyfriend. She said she was the one who handed her mother the knife. I was there. I know the truth about everything. Brave nine-year-old. He was hurting my mother and me. I didn't have any choice but to get something sharp. It's called self-defense, folks. Finlayson was working to become a nurse and an in-home care service worker, according to her mother, Tracy Hall. She also designed her own clothes, wanted to make a phone app for children. Finlayson's daughter said her two-year-old sister continues to ask where their mother is. She was my best friend. She was always there for me. It's unbelievable that she's gone and she's not coming back. I miss my mom, Sasia said. Gage has demanded that the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department release body cam video of the shooting and for Shelton to be fired. LASD released a statement revealing their plans to release the footage to the public. The agency also stated that the shooting is under a robust review process to determine whether it was legally justified and whether there's enough evidence to file criminal charges. I want to vomit reading that. Here go the games. When was the shooting? I told you, here are the games. Previous shooting involving Ty Shelton. Shelton, the officer who shot Finlayson, also fatally shot a 61-year-old man in an eerily similar case. That was in 2020. Deputies responding to a domestic violence call also in Lancaster attempted to detain Michael Thomas during their encounter with him. But Shelton shot him after deputies said Thomas tried to grab one of their guns. Thomas's fiance argued against the report and said Thomas actually refused to let the deputies enter the house and was turning away from them when he was shot. Prosecutors chose not to file charges against Shelton in that case, but admitted there may have been other reasonable options available to him instead of killing Thomas. You think? If you're going to go through this whole thing, I wouldn't even put that part in there. Why would you even put that in there? It's, it's worse than anything else that was done. We know that. Put up the picture, please. Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office. Sheriff Robert Luna. It's a name we've brought you before often, and not to give commendations. Or wards continues to run this plague department. The shooting of this 27 year old mother happened, what, about a month ago? You already know what happened. You reviewed it. We don't need you to release a statement, Sheriff Luna, about when you're going to release the body cam footage or how and it. We don't need you to do that. You know what we need you to do? Ravana, we need you to release the footage. And if it shows what this defense attorney claims it does, or this plaintiff's attorney, remember, they're going to sue for $30 million. I hope they get it. 
poor people of Los Angeles County would be the ones paying, but we, this is what we do. I'm disgusted by every ounce of this, Ravana. What did you hear? Yeah, um, you know, you mentioned that we have reasons to doubt. Uh, oftentimes, the police narratives that come out about police shootings, and I think in this case, just the the department specifically where the statement is coming from is evidence enough that it's probably a lie. This is we live in a country that has rampant police corruption, systemic racism, police brutality. We cover uh, police departments all around the country. And somehow, despite that, LASD stands alone. The LA Sheriff's Department stands alone as one of, if not the most corrupt sheriff's departments in the entire country. Everybody, you know, if you have a moment of free time, look up uh, LASD gangs, and you know, research a little bit into the horrific things that are being uh, covered up by the LASD. It is mind blowing once you learn about it. If you don't already know, um, that being said, the statement that they plan on and patting themselves on the back, even saying we're doing it before we're obligated to, that they plan on releasing this body cam footage is not nearly enough. It's not what. Uh, the plaintiff's side in this case is arguing for, they want it released now. And the fact that their version of events is strangely similar to the version of events they portrayed the last time this officer murdered somebody, killed somebody, you know, allegedly murdered somebody, um, I, I think is, is a strong enough evidence that we should all get to see this body cam footage because this is a department uh, that is marred by its dishonesty and its corruption. And I'll just have to point out that if I do my job wrong, I would lose my ability to do my job. If a doctor does their job wrong, they lose their ability to do their job. But when a police officer does their job wrong, they are, you know, this, the risk is large. When they do their jobs wrong, people die. Same thing with doctors. When lawyers do their jobs incorrectly, people's freedoms are taken away from them or they lose something immense. Um, and the same situation can be applied to police officers, sheriffs, deputies. Yep. When they do their jobs wrong, people are can die. And that's what happened in this case. Well, there's no accountability. He's just allowed to come back and to kill somebody else. And that is just so fundamental to the corrupt system of policing in this country is the protection that they enjoy and you know they love to argue well it's just a few bad apples but it's all the other apples that stand mm. behind them and protect them when they are doing those very actions that make you deem them as bad and it's it's going to require so much introspection and there's already so much public outrage but we have to keep the yeah. pressure on, particularly this sheriff's department for monumental change. Yeah, you said it. And by the way, now it's a barrel. I don't wanna hear anything more about these rotten apples. The barrel is spoiled to the core, okay? Vanessa Bryant can tell you that. Maybe it is an isolated incident when some crash box, that's what you call someone who happens upon a plane crash with all these people are dead, including the famed basketball player, and snaps a picture. That's what 
you want to do, right? Not secure the area, protect belongings and treasured. Protect the remains of these people. You want to snap a picture, brag about it at a bar. That Look it up. That's the definition of a trash box. That's what it is, okay? But when it's deleted, after all the sharing and all the pictures are deleted and it's a coordinated effort that, you know, those people are in the Olympics and they do the swimming and they're, they're just perfect with the coordination, right? What do we call them? Synchronized swimmers. That's the kind of effort that was put into this. The whole barrel has to be rotten for that to work. It actually worked. People kept their jobs and the taxpayers paid again. I will give you the last word right here. Uh, I heard murder if that attorney is to be believed. And you know what we say about that. I also heard character assassination. Is it slander is the term? Because if this young mother in front of her child, that's also I hear child abuse if this scenario is true, did not go for any gun. You lied. You lied on her because she can't speak anymore after you killed her. God, you're sick. And it's particularly evil when what is left of this woman is her memory. It is, you know, this reputation that is being destroyed by the police department, by the sheriff's office, excuse me, in the media claiming that she uh, was violent. And I, I'll just end by saying that so often we see statements from police departments saying that they just want to improve their relationship with communities that they are meant to serve. But when someone calls you to protect them and you show up and you kill the person that asked for your protection, because that's why she picked up the phone. She was in danger. She's she and her daughter were being assaulted by, you know, allegedly by uh, a, a former uh, partner of hers. And they showed up and they killed her. If you want to repair your relationships with communities, if you want to build trust, you can't kill the people who are willing to ask for your protection. It's as simple as that. Simple as that. Don't ever ask me again. Anybody out there who dares to do it, why people run, not suggesting they should, but don't ask me why people run. And by the way, you've already seen the body cam footage, Sheriff. That statement better be correct. It better be correct. This is Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie today. Ray Vanna joins us as our special guest co-host. We're right back. We've had thieves here and you're a thief. Excuse me, don't touch me. No. Don't touch me. Excuse me. me. Excuse me. Please don't touch me. Don't touch me. me. If you clearly touching me. Okay, yeah, do that, please, because she's harassing me. Thank you. Please call security. Thank you. Please call security. Excuse me. Excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, ma'am. You're excuse me. She's attacking me. Please call security. She's attacking me. Please call security. Excuse me, ma'am. Stop here. Excuse me, ma'am. Stop here. Excuse me. 
Excuse me. <laughs> Amazon. Do that, please. Oh, please, please do it. I too thought it was an SNL skit. It's not. OG Karen, wanna be, was it Cagney or Lacey? And they would be about this age at this point, trying to investigate a crime that didn't take place. OG Karen. You know, these Amazon workers, they really have it rough, just trying to deliver all these packages. Run away from you know these little dogs and things and whatever else they have to encounter. But now an OG Karen, physically, I saw Ravana physical assault. Okay, and normally I want to protect children, seniors. I want to give them grace. Not this time. I want to press charges. Press charges. Are you a little bit more syrup than me on this one? I mean, she definitely did physically assault her. That 100% happened. Um, you know, whether or not a prosecutor <laughs> would be receptive. Yeah, okay. <laughs> whether or not a, you know, a prosecutor would be receptive to pressing charges in this case. Um, unfortunately, probably not. Despite the fact that, you know, she does have, she did, she did assault her. The Amazon driver was the victim of assault. Um, and oftentimes we see these overworked, underpaid Amazon drivers lose their jobs because they don't make their deliveries on time. And if you are being viciously harassed by a Karen, that is definitely gonna put you at a disadvantage when you have to report back to your supervisor why you weren't able to deliver everything on time, especially you know close to the holidays where there is such high stakes. Um, it's also a lot of these Amazon drivers that might not feel safe entering the buildings to deliver to the doors of the apartments, but they also receive complaints if they drop it off in front of the building or even just in the vestibule. Um, so really it's, it's a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation for those drivers. Um, but at the end of the day, whether you work at Amazon or anywhere else, you should never have to be harassed while you were doing your job. But for some reason, we see it as more acceptable to harass delivery drivers than you know if you just walk into a place of business and start behaving like this. And yeah. I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people might see this video and have. I don't know, sympathy for the person because she's older. Both of them are older. But, you know, let's be honest as to what she saw. Uh, she saw someone who she profiled and thought, this person mm. doesn't belong in my white building. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's my responsibility, my job to assault her, harass her. Uh, and then I get to play the victim. And yeah. sometimes we get criticisms for covering the Karen stories, but I think it's important to keep uh, people's attention on this because we see these situations turn violent, turn deadly. A lot more frequently than it should. I mean, it should never happen, but it, you know, because these people will weaponize, uh, you know, their whiteness and they will call the cops and they're they're calling a gun on these individuals. And it's not what happened here, but it happens. And if we don't yeah. continue to put these people under a microscope, then we're not going to see change in the behavior. And they go out of their way too. They go out of their way to not consider what's reasonable. Mm -hmm. Carrying all these packages, I don't know about in this location, but where I live, the Amazon drivers, especially these delivery people, this time of year, all wearing these these shirts, like you know, they're Amazon, the colors you recognize, the whole thing, boxes in hand. Suddenly, 
might be a vicious killer. I just, that's it. Now, let a MAGA person, plain clothes, come in. I don't know. They could be carrying an assault rifle for all I know. And they'll say, well, let me hold the door for you. That's the type of mentality. I'm being facetious. I'm going overboard with it, but it's not really that much exaggeration. You go out of your way to unsee what's reasonable here. OG Karen, and we can put it up real quick. I know we're out of time, but the phone, this is what's going to get her the sympathy because there's a stereotype. She doesn't know how to work the phone. Okay, there they are together. These two golden girls who seem very nice otherwise. Okay, but there was the other shot where she's fumbling with the phone. Okay, but you're recorded. Don't worry. We captured this one for you. Okay, that's what the Amazon driver said she had to do. I don't know if we've heard this one before, except maybe 300 million times. Republican representative goes on a racist rant during a DUI arrest. Let's just watch. Uh, a breathalyzer? Yes, sir. Are you happy to provide that? I'm not going to do that. You know why? Why is that? I'm going to speak because I'm like two blocks away. Okay. You guys are picking on me. Okay. And so you, know, I, you guys are going to you guys are going to regret picking on me. Okay. Because I'm, you don't know who the okay. I am. Okay. Just one second. I'm going to give you. I'm going to. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to give you. A Okay, just to uh, uh, let you know, all this is video and all we recorded on body camera, including your language, right? Uh, hey, do you hey, want your wallet? So your camera's right here. Have you got a wallet? It's in my, my, my fucking, god damn it, my, my arms are hurting. Okay. I'm proud to be from England. Yeah, I like my country. I have. What? Yes, I like my country. Are you proud to be English at least? Why is that relevant? Because... Why, what, what are you doing here in North Dakota arresting people? Your, your country is being taken over by migrants and refugees, right? Am I wrong? You're arresting me for driving home. But people coming to your country are women. Yes or no? And I'm the bad guy? Yes or no? Tell me. Tell me, bro. Yes or no? You can't even answer me. Because you know you wrong. I don't give a bro. I'll fight for you. I'm gonna fight for the people in England or than you ever would, you little bitch. Not helping yourself. But do as you wish. Uh, he said, don't you know who I am? We're going to tell you who it is. According to the Bismarck Tribune, Williston, North Dakota, GOP state rep Nico Rios was verbally abusive, homophobic, racially abusive, discriminatory toward police when he was arrested for a DUI this month. Furthermore, police records of the incident are backed up by body cam footage. Notice how we saw the body cam footage. 
Rios is a first term rep, won a seat in 2022. He's among a handful of young conservatives who have joined the legislature in recent years. Rios was the first person to make his December 15th arrest public knowledge. Slickster, he posted a statement on X three days later expressing his regret for the situation. His initial statement didn't provide the arrest details, which were first reported by forum columnist Rob Port. Thank you, Mr. Port. Nobody is more of a straight shooter than I am. And to put it bluntly, I have to say that I messed up. Below is my official statement. He's apologizing. First of all, I'd like to apologize to the people of District 23, the North Dakota GOP, the entire legislature. I want to apologize to all of North Dakota. I think he should just apologize to the people he targeted. Okay, that's probably what he should do. And maybe send a letter to. King Charles, I'd do that last. I'd maybe do that last, but he offended everyone. Rios is charged with two misdemeanors, DUI and refusing to provide a chemical test. He also was cited for having an open container of alcohol in his vehicle. The police report states that Rios was verbally abusive, homophobic, racially abusive, and discriminatory toward Officer Welch for the entire duration of the incident following roadside testing. Bismarck Tribune with the details here. When asked for his license and registration, Rios tried to give the officers his business card. See what I mean? At one point, he told officers, you guys are going to regret picking on me because you don't know who, profanity, I am. The hour-long body cam obtained by the Tribune shows Rios growing frustrated as the officers conducted a roadside sobriety test, which he eventually failed, couldn't keep his balance misstepped while walking heel to toe. Tribune elaborates that after failing the test, Rios asked if he could take his truck home since he lived nearby. When the request was rejected, he called one officer a homophobic slur. Rios was then placed at the back of Officer Alexander Welch's police vehicle. When asked if he wanted the two phones found in his truck, he said he wanted them so he could, quote, call Attorney General Drew Wrigley. Tell him the officers were mistreating him. Wrigley told the Tribune he has received no such call from Rios. There's still time, I guess. He could call him. I think he's probably already blocked because this kind of people, they just cut you off real quick, make a mistake. And this is a big one, okay? Rios at one point unsuccessfully asked Welch to turn off his body camera. While Rios was being driven to jail, he repeatedly used profanities, made comments about the officer being born in England and about people born outside America becoming law enforcement officers. Rios told Welch, you're ruining my life so you can, profanity, make a paycheck? And directed homophobic slurs at him. Rios apologized for his actions in a statement to the Tribune on Friday. Inebriated or not, my actions and words to law enforcement that night were absolutely unacceptable, he wrote. Just two cops doing their jobs, keeping the community safe. When they ran into me on a night, I decided to act like a dummy. They did nothing to deserve any sort of disrespect. I owe it to myself, my district, and everyone. And I vow to make sure this never happens again. Moving forward after this night, I feel like I have to emphasize my complete and total commitment to supporting law enforcement. I messed up big time. Truly sorry. Shouldn't shouldn't he be turning his efforts towards the people he hates in another way, a healing way? Shouldn't he be, okay, law enforcement, 
But what about all the other people? And what do you have against people? Just in general, gay people, people who weren't born on this soil. I'd like to trace your bloodlines too. Get Professor Henry Gates to see where you're from, okay? North Dakota's Democratic NPL party called Rios's actions reprehensible. Party chair Adam Goldwyn said in a statement, it used to be that when public servants disgraced themselves, they resigned rather than bring shame upon those they represent. It seems the Republican Party no longer has a sense of shame. No. For all we know, George Santos is helping him rebuild here. See how long he'll stay. See how long he'll stay. We don't know. But this is a lot to take in. State Republican Party Executive Director Andrew Nihus told the Tribune in a statement, quote, we are deeply troubled by Representative Rios' dangerous decision to drive while intoxicated. And his remarks to law enforcement officers, clearly his behavior does not represent the values of NDGOP. I'm disgusted by that statement. I think you know why, Ravana. That's all you want to mention, law enforcement? You didn't appreciate how he treated the English cop. He said a lot of other things, okay? And if I'm LGBTQ, okay? And even if I'm not, I don't want you on the streets. This is dangerous. Be on the lookout. This guy is dangerous. I think that the statement put out um, actually just goes to show that what he said is representative of the values of the North Dakota. GOP because they only apologize to the law enforcement officers, as you just mentioned. They don't apologize to the gay community. They don't apologize to immigrant communities, as you know, he was heavily, I mean, literally saying that there's an invasion of immigrants in England and that this person from England is a bad representative of the country because he's not there fighting the immigrants. And he even said he would take up his own sword and go battle uh, the in supposed you know, invasion that is happening. Um, you know, if he had just asked, you know, if I, I live in Chicago, I meet people from all over the world all the time. But if I was in North Dakota and I met someone who was British, I might ask him too, what brings you here? Uh, but he didn't stop there. You know, maybe if I had a couple of drinks, it might <laughs> make me more likely to ask that question. Sure. Um, but they always love to defend themselves by saying they were drunk. Being yeah. drunk doesn't make you racist. It doesn't make you xenophobic. It doesn't make you a homophobe. You are already those things. You just had lowered inhibitions when you were drinking. And so they were more likely to come out of your mouth. But it seems like this is someone who's comfortable saying those things pretty frequently. And he did, he ticked all the boxes. He was racist, xenophobic, homophobic. And of course, he did the you don't know who you're messing with right <laughs> now shtick. So really just ticked all the boxes of white guy being arrested. Yeah. And you're right. This is who Rios is. And no, he doesn't have the decency to resign. If I were inebriated, you don't want to see that. That's why I don't really drink. It's just not for me. I would have asked him though, who side are you on? Megan and Harry or Will and Kate? <laughs> I, that's what I would have asked. I wouldn't have unleashed this tirade, these slurs. He never stopped with the slurs. You know, is that mm-hmm. outrageous? Um, but hey, 
This is what we're doing as we enter. We're on the cusp of entering a new year. This is indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Ray Vanna is our special guest co-host today. Much more to come. The ex-Tennessee cop caught in a sex scandal sues the city. He's caught in a sex scandal. He's suing the city. In an update, Lewis Powell, former cop with the Laverne, Tennessee Police Department, has filed a racial prejudice lawsuit after his termination following a public sex scandal involving Megan Hall. Powell filed a $3 million lawsuit against the city. Former police chief Chip Davis, Mayor Jason Cole, human resources director of Laverne, Andrew Patton. Powell is also requesting front pay, back pay, <clears throat> and attorney's fees. Uh, the lawsuit follows a sex scandal that resulted in the termination of five police officers and the suspension of three last January after it was revealed that 27 year old Megan Hall had tryst with at least six other officers and had a threesome with one officer and his wife. Hall is accused of having a fetish for black men. Powell claims he was terminated while white officers involved in the scandal were not. (laughs) Hall claims it's the pictures. So I'm trying to read, I'm looking at the pictures and I'm thinking about what went down here. And it may be immature, but I just wanna explain why I keep pausing and I apologize to you at home, but you try it, okay? Hall claims her supervisors and the chief of police groomed her for sexual exploitation. She filed a sexual exploitation lawsuit against the city. Former Chief of Police Davis, Henry Ty McGowan and Powell last February. Powell's a 15 year veteran of the LPD and the counterclaim says it was Hall who first repeatedly approached him for sex acts. Despite them both being married, he admitted to engaging in oral sex with Hall, but claims that after he tried to break it off, Hall called him a quote, homosexual. Is there no crime that you people could be fighting, helping people, passing out turkeys? I, <laughs> what are we doing here? Paul Powell, Patrol Officer Juan Lugo, Detective Seneca Shields, Sergeant Ty McGowan, and Chief Davis were all terminated. Patrol Officer Patrick Maglicchio, Canine Officer Larry Holliday, and Patrol Officer Gavin Schoberl, suspended for trading naked pics with Hall. Maglicchio and Hall reportedly had a threesome with Maglicchio's wife. (laughs) That was at a party. Davis allegedly received explicit videos of Hall pleasuring herself. Hall later spent three days in a mental facility, which prompted the investigation. She claimed to have a history of mental illness. So I've talked a lot, Rayvon, I think we're gonna let you start this one and perhaps end it too. Well, I think this is a really fascinating story because it is a story of imperfect victims. Uh, And I'll just start with the way that this story was broken. She was institutionalized, she attempted to take her own life uh, or was on the verge of attempting to take her own life. Um, Partially over the uh, sex scandal, it hadn't broken yet, but just the relationships and the struggles that she was going through there. And she, in her complaint, showed pretty irrefutable evidence that the department 
and the officers involved who planned on making this public in a way to frame her as the perpetrator, to frame her as a seductress within the office, to, you know, should sort of frame it as though that her lust was decaying this police department. And that is how the story took off. That is how everybody remembers her. Despite that, her complaint, I think, shows again, irrefutable evidence that she was the victim of mm-hmm. workplace sexual harassment. You know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, they were exchanging nude photos of her without her consent. Um, she alleges that she was sexually assaulted on multiple occasions. Uh, I think that her complaint even shows instances of uh, quid pro quo sexual harassment, that she had to continue to engage in these sexual relationships in order to maintain her current job status or be open for promotion in the future. That being said, it doesn't mean that there wasn't other instances of consensual sexual relations that she had with members of her department. She concedes that in her complaint. And it also doesn't mean that this officer wasn't the victim of race discrimination, even if he was involved in the the, uh, workplace sexual harassment. The fact that the black officers were fired and the white officers who were just as guilty in upholding this this sex discrimination in in the workplace were not fired. I think that that shows the prima facie case of Sec, uh, not sex discrimination, excuse me, race discrimination in the workplace. Mm-hmm. It is a complicated story. It is a story that has <laughs> been going on for about a year now. Um, and I think the only way we're going to get to the truth of the matter in these cases is for them to go to trial. And although most most lawsuits don't go to trial, I think that the uh, intense factual disputes in these cases make them ripe to be the type that we will see go all the way to trial. And it'll be really interesting when we get the full story, when we see the full picture of what was going on. Um, there are, there are, you know, there is solid evidence. It's not just a he said, she said necessarily. Emails, text exchanges, uh, the official investigation from the department. Um, but there's a lot that is yet to be revealed. And I think we're just going to have to sit back and recognize that this is story is probably going to come back quite a few times before there's any resolution in it. Yeah. Let me call Vinnie Politan over at Court TV because <laughs> they'll be salivating over this one. I mean, it's a real case and nobody's going to cover it like they will. Uh, it is sort of, and thank you, Ravana, for that's why I just dumped it on your lap. <laughs> but this for all of this to happen in the workplace, you know, to paint this woman as uh, this temptress, seductress, loose woman. When some more, the facts show, victim, the victim. And if everybody knew and everybody was trading this stuff, this is the culture of this police department. And likely, you're right, the, you don't keep the white officer, fire the black officer, whatever. Sounds like more people needed to go. Not not less is what it sounds like, but we'll we'll keep following it. We'll see what Vinny and the team over at Court TV does. This is not a typo either. Testimony of blind witness landed an innocent man in prison. Chicago Darian Harris, a man who spent more than a decade behind bars for a murder he did not commit, was freed from prison two weeks after a judge overturned the conviction due to new evidence that undermined the prosecution's case. Harris was convicted in 2014 for the June 
2011 shooting death of Rondell Moore three years earlier at a gas station in the Woodlawn neighborhood, Chicago South Side. Darian Harris will spend, um, when he was arrested in 2011, I should say, Harris was 18. He was a senior in high school, no criminal record. While his subsequent trial ended in a 76 year prison sentence. And a black star with the details, so painful this is. Over the years, Harris's family maintained his innocence, saying the young man was at home watching a basketball game at the time of the killing. About five years after Harris was sent away, relatives learned that a key prosecution witness who identified Harris as the shooter was legally blind, leading to demands for Cook County State Attorney Kim Fox to throw out the conviction. Soon, the exoneration project at the University of Chicago Law School joined the effort to free Harris, claiming the prosecution witness had advanced glaucoma and could see nothing when the shooting happened. There's also never any physical evidence to link Harris to the crime, adding more pressure on Fox to dismiss the charges, which she finally did earlier this week. Prosecutors have not said whether they will retry Harris, but did indicate that Fox's office will continue to review the facts of the case. Really? (laughs) Is that what we're doing here? You're gonna continue to review the case? I guess. (laughs) Soon the exoneration project, as we said, was on this case. And they're the ones that got her to overturn it. Now 30 years old, married, Harris went home for the holidays for the first time in more than a decade. Harris smiled, expressed gratitude for the positive turn of events in his life. I lost a lot of things that no amount of money can repay. He said at a press conference outside lockup, I'd rather take my time back because I've missed some of my best years. I don't know what took Kim Fox so long. She did Jesse Smollett a solid, didn't she? This is the same lady that did Jesse Smollett a solid. When that fantastical story that, well, you decide what you think about it. I'm just saying it's the same lady. Ravana, he was 18, no prior convictions, anything really. Police involvement that we know of, presumably had an alibi. I'm watching a basketball game. What are you doing here? And oh, I buried the lead. A blind person identified him. What is going on here? And don't don't dare tell me about the part where he can only get so much money per year. To this is, and you're still reviewing the case instead of issuing an apology, Kim. You let Jussie. Well, go ahead. The idea that they would retry his. Him specifically in this case is so absolutely despicable. I don't want my taxpayer dollars as a resident of Chicago continuing to going into researching his involvement in this case, which was none aside from being a victim in this case, unless they want to go after the prosecutors who knowingly let a legally blind woman ID him in this this case. I don't want another dime going into this. It is, you know, and it is a a lack of taking responsibility 
on their part, you know, the, they're trying to find a way that they don't have to necessarily apologize to mm-hmm. ruin for ruining because they did. They ruined this individual's mm-hmm. life. They took away, as he said, some of the best years of his life. He's only a couple years older than me. And I couldn't imagine spending the last 10 years of my life in prison. You know, you you've lost those that formative experience of your life. And now you have to be reintroduced into a world without the the skills that people in your same peer group have, without those resources. Um and it's devastating. And it feels like, you know, Chicago has a history of rampant corruption uh in our police system. You know, people always wonder why we call prosecutors cops. This is why we call prosecutors cops, cases like this. Um, but we have a history of corruption uh, with our prosecutors historically. I'm not necessarily accusing them of that in this case, but if the shoe fits. Uh, but that being said, you know, it seems every day when I have the news on, when I'm at the gym walking on the treadmill and the, it's on in the background, it's always there's always a story of someone being released from our, our prisons for being wrongfully convicted. And it should make everyone consider how many other stories like this are there that we're just not hearing because they didn't get picked up at some law school by their, uh, you know, the exoneration project that they happen to have, or they didn't have the resources to investigate fully every single case they couldn't argue for every single inmate who's wrongfully convicted. There are, you know, thousands of people in this country serving life sentences, spending decades in jail for crimes they did not commit because of corruption or because of a lack of resources in some cases, or because nobody cares about their story. And we just that need part. so much overhaul, so much yeah. overhaul in in our, you know, to be honest, injustice system that we yeah. have in this country. I don't want people who can't. They're supposed. There's enough people that you can put away if that's your jam. Okay, you don't have to scoop up kids off the street, a senior in high school who did nothing wrong, and then you can't admit it. Okay, Kim and company. This is a coordinated thing. You some somebody. Lots of people knew this was a, a sham. Okay. You're making me believe that when Samuel Jackson was in the negotiator, that this is actually who you are. There's this corruption, Chicago PD, is there? Or was that just a movie Sam and Kevin Spacey were part of? I don't know. I'm just telling you what it looks like, what it looks like. The model from Childish Gambino's album cover got no residuals. Grammy winning artist Childish Gambino, the alter ego of actor comedian Donald Glover, typically heralded as one of the most visionary artists of the 2010s. However, he's currently making headlines for bad business practices, according to a report from Atlanta Black Star. The Kenyan model, Giannina Antoinette. Oteto took social media to air out grievances regarding alleged inadequate compensation for the use of her image on the cover of Glover's 2016 chart topping album, Awaken My Love. It was his third project, which received one Grammy for the track Redbone at the 2018 Grammys and four additional nominations, including Album of the Year, Best Urban Contemporary Album. In a now deleted Facebook post, Oteto said, and neither she nor other members of the group that 
contributed to the acclaimed album cover received their agreed upon residuals. Model wrote, according to a screenshot from the gossip site, all tea, all shade, being able to hold an album that I'm on the cover of and having my bestie mom next to me to celebrate my number one cheerleader. This album has been so hard for me to celebrate for many reasons and for years. Put me through a lot, but finally being able to celebrate it means a lot. She had an update. I resented it because myself, the makeup artists and stylists, all black women were all taken advantage of and lied to. We received low pay. They promised residuals, but we never received anything. It's just despicable. Tedo asserts the only person who received residuals was WXYZ jewelry founder Laura Wass, the white woman responsible for designing the headpiece Oteto wore during the cover shoot, even though the designer did not attend the session. Oteto clarifies that her grievances not revolve around Wass receiving payment, as she believes the woman should be appropriately compensated for her contribution. New York Times ran a detailed article about the project behind the scenes and noted. Wash used 157 tubes and 824 beads to create the headpiece that Oteto wore. Instead, Oteto decides or directs rather her wrath toward Gambino and his team, asserting that they have deliberately chosen not to remunerate the black women on the shoot, despite their integral involvement in the project and ignored even their lawyers when they called to rectify the non-payment. After years of lies and silence and finding out statute of limitation complications, it's been an exhausting, emotional, and overall sad thing to deal with, Oteto explained. So it took so much for me, especially since we all worked on it with so much love and pride in representing black artists. Echoing her sentiment, many on social media blasted the This Is America artists for allegedly stiffing the sisters on the job. Childish Gambino has not responded to these allegations. The Awaken My Love album cover was also shot by New York City-based creative director Ibra Aki, Glover's longtime collaborator. Beta reporter Gambino is saying the art was supposed to pay homage to another classic album, Maggot Brain, by George Clinton's Funkadelic Group. I don't know why. Now, if I am Childish Gambino, I'm I'm hoping he knows nothing about this. Um, and so I take that first. Because if I have a team of people and I am a respected artist, he's a commentator in his music. He really is. Everybody's gone if you know about this and you couldn't just do right by these people. We're not talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. We're talking about doing right by these people. If Donald Glover does know about this. What this should I shouldn't even be reporting this. It should have been taken care of so quickly. Ravana, am I right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'll say it's not surprising to me necessarily that he hasn't made a statement. Um, I'm sure his lawyers have probably been telling him to keep it quiet. You think that they would take care of this quickly so that it wouldn't become an issue like it has now. I will say that. Donald Glover has been on the receiving end of criticism, uh, particularly recently from black women, black TV critics, particularly for the characters in several of his projects that they think are not 
full fleshed out characters the way that the male characters in those uh, shows are. You know, I've seen criticism of the way that he writes uh, black women on his shows. And it's notable. I'm not saying he's directly, I have no idea if he's responsible for the lack of payment, but it is notable that the white woman involved in the project was fully paid. Black women involved in the project have not been. And it could just be an indication that, you know, people on his management team are racist and they think it's less likely that the black women are going to fight to get the money that they deserve than the white women would be. But once they've lawyered up and they did lawyer up and had their lawyers contact the agency, they still didn't get their money. And that is devastating. Mm. And he need, you know, he owes his, I'm a big fan of his music. I have lyrics from that album tattooed on me. Um, and it's but it's disappointing. It, he does need to make a statement. I, I can see lawyers telling him to keep it quiet. We'll handle this. Yeah. But he owes his fans, particularly yeah. his black female fans, uh, some sort of statement as to why these women did not get what they were owed. Otherwise, we're gonna think what it looks like is actually what it is. Okay. And if he is not doing right by black women, and maybe that's his blind spot, he can only have his own vision. I don't know why it would be. I don't know why it would be. Okay. Uh, He's got to get it together. I'm sure he didn't treat Malia Obama that way, one of his writers, right? He better not because Michelle is a lawyer too, and you're not going to ignore her. And she might not go so high, okay? But I digress. We're talking about the album cover. Just make it right, okay? People get lawyers. I've had lawyers. You've had lawyers, whatever. No lawyer's going to make me shut up. I can at least say this. Yo, I knew nothing about this. I'm sorry. I'm coming for you. I'm going to get, I'm going to make it right. Just say that, okay? Better not do that to Malia or you. <laughs> Michelle will show you better than she can tell you. If I achieve just one thing in life, what should it be? Now, it tells you a lot about modern America that that's even a question. No person, certainly no man in the previous, say, 15,000 years would have asked, what should I achieve in life? There's really only one objective in life, and that's reproduction. Pass on your genes so you don't become extinct. They're called, in our culture anyway, children. And then one hopes they mate and have grandchildren. And that makes you the patriarch of a clan and gives meaning to your life. So in other words, you could spend your entire life working for Deutsche Bank, which is obviously pointless and destructive of the social order. And you probably wouldn't feel good about that. But if you had a bunch of kids, you would still win because you're passing on your genes. You're fulfilling your core destiny, which is to reproduce. Let me put it another way. Next time you read about someone who's got like 27 arrests and he's been arrested for some horrible crime and he's a complete ne'er-do-well, if not menace to study, George Floyd, for example, find out how many kids that person has. So you're reading the paper or some website and you're judging this guy. He's never had a job. He's got 27 drug arrests and he finally shot someone. Damn those Soros prosecutors. And I agree with you 100%. But push a little more deeply into his background and I'd be willing to bet my late model car, that he's got more kids than you. So who's really ahead? You or George Floyd? You or the guy with 27 drug arrests? 
the guy with 27 drug arrests, if he's got more kids than you, he wins. Because in the end, that's how we tally the race, by reproduction. So uh, get to it. Have some pups. None of the writers went with him from Fox. Is that is that what's going on here? So he's just blabbering on. I know I tend to go off, okay, and this bunch of different directions, but I can't even begin to unpack the racist, uh, probably misogynistic, uh, replacement theory-ish, <laughs> all kinds of nonsense. This knucklehead is spewing a fool. Tucker Carlson. Ravana, where would you like to start? Um, let's, you know, I'll just make a quick note that he looks like he's coming to us live from the Black Lodge from Twin Peaks with that curtain <laughs> behind him. I don't know the production value in his show. I mean, the name yeah. Tucker on X. Yeah. No one thought that one through. <laughs> Not a single There's, person was like. the team he had before. Right. Yeah. Right. It's. I mean, but it is, you know, and you're exactly right, rooted in his racist, xenophobic white replacement theory. The idea that there is this ongoing uh, white genocide, uh, you know, and he's saying that this is a black man who had more kids than you, a white person. So he is winning and he's trying to invoke fear. And it, you know, maybe we're lucky that he doesn't have that same production team. He can't put his messages eloquently at, you know and and more subtly as he previously could on primetime TV most watched cable news show you know broadcasting to millions of people now his shows being seen by you know people thousands of people on Twitter you know the <laughs> core audience of a show can't figure out how to work that app to watch it so mm-hmm. you know at least we've got that but it is concerning the uh, you know, and without that clever writing, we just see him coming out and saying it. And without fear, you know, being that racist openly. This is, and it, it is disturbing that, and so many of the Fox News hosts, of course, share his racist opinions. Um, but it is disturbing to think about how many people were able to get that message and how Fox News protected his ability to distribute that message for so long. And let's be honest, they didn't stop his show because they stopped agreeing with his ideology. It just became a financial liability Mm -hmm. for them at some point. And yeah, I mean, it's disturbing, it's gross, but I at least have to take some solace in the fact that it's not being as widely broadcast as it previously was. Yeah, you're right. He got fired because of that $787 million judgment, not even because he called the, what's the one lady, Suzanne? I forget her last name. Who's still there on the president's or something? A Tuesday. He called her Tuesday. That's not even why he got fired. It's not. Okay. Tucker's out there and he is blabbering on with the guy who said Sandy Hook didn't happen. Okay. And probably the pillow guy next. And maybe they'll do their own version of the view on X. <laughs> and we'll see if people tune in. <laughs> we'll see. I I didn't know where to start, but I know one thing. If I'm George Floyd's daughter, friend, um, family, brother, he's got a great family. Keep his name out your mouth, okay? Talk enough. I think you're so clever. You're just not with 
the bow tie, without the bow tie. It's just stop. Ravana, tell us where we can see more of you. We always want more. For updates, you can follow me on uh, Twitter, just speaking of that website, uh, at Ravana TTV. Well, we love you. If we had to choose between, you know, Tucker on X or Ravana, I know <laughs> what I'm choosing all day, every day. I'll just watch you on repeat. Uh, thank you. And Doc, we appreciate you for letting us uh, take over the show for today. I'm Sharon Reed and for Dr. Rashad Ritchie today. Thanks for joining us on Indisputable. <laughs>